everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Roar. I'm your fill-in host tonight, Matt DeBear. Uh, Bill is on his way back from State College, actually, and Nick is um, AWOL. I don't know what happened to, to him, but he's gotten himself into some sort of trouble out in Seattle, I'm sure. But I am joined tonight by um, a man whose name I pronounced correctly once, and that was about three seconds ago, Matt Filipovitis. I just see I just <laughs> butchered it. Filipovitz. I jinxed it there. Um, no, I'm joined tonight by Matt Filipovitz over in Chicago. How are you doing this evening, Matt? Matt, I'm great. I've been dying for us to do a... This is our first ever Matt cast. I don't think you and I have ever done a, a show just us, so I'm very excited about it. Uh, that we get to talk about maybe the uh, <laughs> the worst part about the Penn State offense last year. <laughs> Uh, the last several years. Um, That's true. And ironically, we're, we're doing this on a night. We were just talking. Um, we were recording this on Sunday evening. And if you are anywhere in the the north or the Midwest, it is kind of has a hint of fall in the air. Um, it does. I'm in Detroit. Matt's in Chicago. It is. Um, I don't know if we got out of the 60s here today, um, but it, it felt a little bit like, you know, kind of one of those early fall afternoons. It felt a little bit like football. So so like Matt said, we're going to jump into um Probably the the most uh, controversial and uh, opinion-filled area of the Penn State offense, um, the Penn State offensive line. Um, Obviously, we don't need to dig into a whole lot of what's happened the last uh, several years, um, but it has been a struggle up front for Penn State, um, both protecting the quarterback, opening up running lanes, um, really for the last couple years. Um, so really before we get into some of the specifics, Matt, just some of your general thoughts on what the 2022 Penn state offensive line kind of looks like going into the season. I think it's in a better spot than it was last year. I think a lot of that is because there wasn't that much that they lost. I mean, you, you lose Rashid Walker, but I, I think Walker was just really disengaged for a lot of like the latter half of his Penn state. And I, his Penn State career and I get it like the dude had a lot of offensive coordinators the dude had multiple position coaches but it just never felt like he put it all together and then the other guy to go was Mike Miranda who didn't even really try to, to stick around for the program for a sixth year which I totally get that's a long time to play college ball and you know they bring in some new exciting guys most notably Landon Tengwall who was with the program but he was the only lineman they they signed last year so now he, here he is you know, he got some experience last year. He's coming in now off the red shirt. And I think it could be a, a really high floor group. I like, you know, the addition of Hunter Norzad. I like moving Scruggs over to center. Um, and, and then it's going to come down to if Caden Wallace can take a big next step to see if those returning starters can really help elevate this group. So uh, like every year, I'm excited. And I think this is the year. But <laughs> like the approach James Franklin had, it, it's got to be you have to show me at this point. Yeah, and that, that's really, I think the big point is we've had the same conversation. I felt like I've done this podcast with you, with you, whether it's bill, whether it's Nick, and we've had the same conversation now for going on, um, you know, three off seasons. Now, is this the year that they turn the corner? Um, they made the big change by bringing in Phil Troutwine. Um, and then everything kind of went sideways with COVID right away. And I've harped on that a lot over the last couple of years, especially, um, I think with the struggles last year, um, that he never really got his arms around the position group, you know, in 2020, he didn't get a chance to even work with them in person until, um, whatever fall camp looked like, um, didn't really get and a even chance then, to recruit. They didn't have, I think they didn't have like the full group practicing together. Did they? Cause I know they like, split no, up, no, they were, they were working like, in, in small groups. So yeah. yeah, they were, they were, you know, really took the, the COVID protocol seriously. And, um, the fact that they didn't miss a game, you know, was a testament to that, but I think it really put him behind the eight ball. And the other thing that was talked a lot about with him was his recruiting acumen. 
And that was obviously severely limited for the better part of a year, more than a year with low on-campus visits. Um, you know, really where Penn State's always shined in the recruiting game is getting kids into Happy Valley and, mm-hmm. and getting them to experience what it's like. He, he lost that bolt in his gun as well. Um, but as far as what, what I think excites me about this year, and you kind of alluded to it a little bit, is there's, there's some depth of talent there that I'm not sure we could say was the case the last couple of years. Um, you know, Landon Tengwall is a guy that, um, just looking over the weekend, seeing him listed as a guard, um, has me excited. I was, I think there was some thought since where he played last year is he got a little bit of time at, at tackle when he worked his way in towards the latter part of the year, seeing him on the inside, I think makes me excited about a guy like, um, fashion playing on at left tackle. I think the fact that they they feel comfortable putting Tangwall inside tells you where they feel like they're at, um, with their tackles. Um, yeah. a name that you didn't mention that, um, I don't think a lot of us really put a lot of stock in last year until we, we heard the coaching staff talk about him to sell warmly um, yep. who missed all of last season due to injury um, was a guy that, and this, you know, was, was said early on when he, when it was announced that he was going to miss the season was he was a guy they expected to start and to lose a, a starter on a unit that wasn't that deep to begin with. Um, I think, think really hurt them. Um, Hunter Norzad is, is, you know, a guy that's played a lot of football experienced, you know, a, a a man at this point, whereas you got some of these guys that are transitioning from, from teenagers to young men, um, a name that's come up a little bit. I don't know if we expect to see a whole lot of them is drew Shelton. Um, yeah. Bryce Efner is a guy that um, I believe missed some time over the spring practice, but he's back healthy. Um, there, there's, he, there's, he's such a different combinations piece, of guys there. Yeah. yeah they, they've got probably, gonna... sorry, go ahead, Matt. No, I just said they probably have seven or eight guys that they feel pretty comfortable with are capable of playing at this level. And I'm not sure that was the case last year. I think we saw it with, with Walker who was obviously injured to some degree uh, missed, missed the, the last couple of regular season games, I believe. And of course the bowl game um, was, wasn't able to do anything during the NFL scouting season. Um, so whether it was injury related or just, you know, being worn down physically and mentally from, like you said, the kind of chain of, of bad luck that the program had, and coaching changes and things like that. Um, I think, I think that the, the plus side of some of the, some of that negative last year is these guys got experience. And yeah. I think there's um, whether this is misplaced or not, we'll find out here in a, in a couple of weeks, but I think there's a, a real hint of, of cautious optimism around this group. There's not a lot of talk about how, about how, how good they feel. It's a lot of, okay, we want to see them prove it. I don't, I don't get the sense that, you're talking like that if you you think there is something to to prove, yeah. um, which really brings us to the next point: is is why is this year going to be different, um, or, or will it? Do you, do you see things, or are you reading things, or, or your your instinct? What do you see coming this year? I think it'll be they'll be better from the start. Number one, because they they literally can't get worse. Like that's a good place to start, especially running <laughs> the ball. They cannot get worse. And, and a point I have like really harped on a lot of this off season is. If you think back to Penn State, Wisconsin, 2021, there were definitely a lot of unknowns, most notably probably being Anthony Wigan and Eric Wilson, like that battle. And we figured out within what was it, Matt, a drive and a half that Anthony Wigan just couldn't compete at that level. Is that about how long he lasted in Wisconsin before Eric Wilson took over? I think it was, that was him. And then I think Wilson yeah. really struggled too. It's just they, were, they never yeah. really felt terribly settled at that spot. And I think... That but put Wilson a lot was at of least pressure able to stay on, on the field. True, very true. Yeah, and I think the fact that we've seen 
what would have been unknowns in Olu Fashanu and Landon Tengwall get a lot of reps in the latter half of the year and the bowl game shows that they can hold their own out there on the field, which is something I, th- I didn't think that we knew in 2021. So I'm really excited about that. I think Fashanu Fashanu is a really intriguing player. He's just a big athletic body and he's had time. Thankfully, thanks to Rashid Walker, they haven't had to rush his development. So he could really come along at his own pace. And I liked what I saw in the Outback Bowl. Arkansas was, those are big, big dudes he was trying to block and he did a pretty good job. So I'm excited to see him and Landon Tengwall mesh for a whole offseason and get things, you know, get a good rapport going. And then Juice Scruggs was always a center. I don't think there's any doubt about it. I'm really happy that they finally got him there. I do feel a bit bad that it's in his fifth year that he's finally at the position that he was probably always meant to play. And then it looks like Sal Lormley has the guard spot, you know, maybe back in his uh, back in his grasp, which coming off an injury, that's huge, that he's healthy and that he's competing and getting that job done. And I think Caden Wallace can take a step forward. You know, it's his third year as a starter, which seems crazy to think about already, but He's a dude who it's kind of a now or never moment. And then, you know, like you said, there's great competition along the interior. Hunter Norzad at both guard spots. And we saw a shot of him at practice today that the team put out of him looking at like he was repping at center. So he's getting reps. So he's trying to raise that entire interior. And then you got a guy like Bryce Effner who can just add some really great depth across the board at, I think, pretty much everywhere but center we've seen him play. So that's seven dudes right there. And then. You know, you've got to imagine maybe one of uh, Nick Dawkins, Ibrahim Traore, maybe even Drew Shelton, J.B. Nelson, the Juco guy, can maybe come out of the woodwork too and add an eighth. So that that's just a, a much better place to be in than them scrambling to find the proper guard at Wisconsin. Yeah, and I think what, one, it can't be worse. You know, I mean, yep. I, I think we kind of bottomed out last year. Um, I think one thing that I think makes me think that it will be better to what degree we'll find out. I, I don't want to say they're, they're going to be, you know, go from, you know, 120th in, in stuff rate to 50th. I think that's, you know, we're just tossing numbers out there for the sake of tossing numbers. But I think what, what excites me and gives me hope is all those guys you just mentioned, um, you know, other than Landon Tegwell, these are guys that have played three, four, five years of college football. Drew Scruggs, yep. this is his fifth year. Caden Wallace, fourth year. Uh, Fashanu, uh, third year, I believe, correct? Um, yeah, th- third year. Yes, yeah, 2020 he came in. Yeah, so third I, year I, I get confused candidate. on the roster here because they're not they're listing everyone in there with their actual eligibility, counting the, the COVID year. Um, yeah, but you know, Hunter Norzad, this is his fifth year. It's his first year in big in the Big Ten, but it's his fifth year playing college football. Caden Wallace, and fourth year, year I think guard. I already mentioned him. Yep. Yeah, but, but even Bryce Efner, yeah. a guy that they're going to count on, I think, for to fill in as needed. This is his fifth year. And I think that is. And we've talked a lot about it over the last couple of years, and they've had guys that have had that experience. But I think there's some continuity there. This is their third year with with Phil Troutwine, their second year in this offensive system. A bunch of these guys have played together over the last couple of years. I think that familiarity and physical maturity is is going to be a big thing. And I think the other thing too that um, ought to help out is I think there's going to be a better level of talent behind them. Um, yeah. you know, Sean Clifford, we know all about, you guys talked about that last week on the quarterback preview and you talked about the running back room last week as well, but I think a, a six year quarterback, um, who has the ability to extend plays and, and, and cover up mistakes with his legs and two guys in Nick Singleton and Catron Allen that I think we, we all expect to kind of be before too long, the guys at running back, mm-hmm. um, based on all, all the buzz coming out about them, those three things 
those three guys can help mask some warts. I think we saw that with Saquon Barkley several years ago, um, Journey Brown um, back in 2019, Miles Sanders in, in 2018. Those guys that have that that elite running talent um, can really help make an offensive line's job easier. You don't have to hold a block as long. You don't have to open as big a hole. Um, th- those guys make guys miss. Um, yep. And I think that even helps build some confidence too over the, over the course of a season. Um, whereas, you know, you're getting yourself into second and seven instead of second and 11, because those guys are able to pick up three yards in a play that just didn't work. Um, that's, that happens. Yeah. That's the way football works. Mm-hmm. But I think that, that combination of things makes me excited for um, what we can see from the offense this year. And speaking of excitement, um, as most of you listening are probably aware, um, our pals at Homefield Apparel dropped, um, I think it was 15 designs on Saturday, um, and you guys went absolutely nuts and shattered the big noon Saturday Homefield record. That's um, right. And the good folks That's at Homefield right are, are sponsoring us this year. Um, Matt, you actually have some of the shirts. I am still waiting on mine. So I'll let you talk, tell everyone about how great they are and why everyone should use code ROARLINESROAR on their first purchase at Homefield to get 15% off. Yeah, I own a couple home field things outside of the Penn State collection, which is on the way, according to an email that I got. So I'm very excited to to get my items and, and start rocking those this season. But they're incredibly comfortable. The material is great. I, I'm a big crew neck guy, and I have one of their crew necks of the UC Irvine Anteater that says Zot, and it is remarkably comfortable. And like the weather today was probably perfect for me to wear it. So I'm excited to get my Penn State one added to that collection too. So I have that. They take their time to really learn the history and learn the traditions of their schools. So that way they can have the best possible logos, the best possible experience for you. That way you find something that you can relate to. So I love Homefield. I love their stuff. You know, we're, we're very grateful that they sponsored us this year. And being in first place in Big New Saturday is a very exciting thing that we have to hold on to because next up uh, for the final week of Big New Saturday is Ohio State. They announced tonight. So we overtook Florida, and now we have to fend off the Buckeyes. So I am hoping, unlike uh, unlike Penn State the past few years, we can close things out in the fourth quarter against the Buckeyes and hang on to our number one spot. I was going to say, the good news is Penn State has always um, you know, held on to leads against Ohio State um, coming down the stretch. So Yeah, exactly. Um, no, we're, we're, we're very grateful to the, gr- the great folks at Home Field Apparel. Um, like I said, use code, um, all caps, all one word, roar lions, roar, um, at checkout, and they will give you 15% off your first order. Um, whether it is for the awesome new Penn state stuff, or if you are like my co-host, um, you want to get some cool UC Irvine Anhydr merchandise. Louisville. I have um, a Louisville so- one. I have a Tulane one. I have a Yukon one. I cover all my bases. <laughs> um, so, so getting back to the offensive line here and, and getting away from exciting things and, and more hopeful things, <laughs> um, w- I think we, we can all agree that the last couple years, the, the, the pitfalls of the Penn State offense have largely been due to um, issues up front. Now, there, there's been um, you know, quarterback play questions, running back play questions. But I think you know we, we talk a lot about the great teams in college football have great offensive lines. The teams that struggle don't. And I think the Penn state's offensive line, not having um, great years the last couple of years is really where it has started and ended um, on the offensive side of the ball. So the question I have for you, Matt is can Penn state's offense be successful if the offensive line struggles again, or, or what, what needs to happen up front to, to take that next step? 
In terms of if they can be successful, I got to say no, simply because there's no more Jahan Dotson. Like Penn State hits so many big plays to Dotson that it, you know, he single-handedly won them the Maryland game. Like he basically single-handedly won them the Wisconsin game with his big plays. So you take Jahan Dotson out of this offense and you don't take a step forward up front in terms of opening up running lanes, giving Clifford more time. I just don't see a way for the offense to get better. And if that's the case, I mean, Penn State's in the market for a new offensive coordinator and offensive line coach heading into 2023. And with, you know, a, a high floor guy like Drew Shelton on campus, you know, it looks like the left tackle of the future. And with two exciting true freshman running backs and an exciting true freshman quarterback, two of them, you really don't want to have to rebuild your offensive coaching staff with those dudes already on campus. So this unit can't really afford not to take a step forward. And, and I do believe that they will. I think that 2020 is kind of a wash for Phil Troutwine. I don't know how you even coach in a pandemic, let alone one where you're probably don't even have your whole offensive line working together because it's either they don't practice together and you make sure at least some of them are available for games or they all practice together and you run the risk of none of them being available for a game in, in the event of somebody would have gotten COVID. So 2020 is kind of a wash. 2021, I think, just had, you know, a perfect mess of things go wrong between Walker's injury, warmly going down early, um, you know, just the general struggles of Clifford after he got hurt. So this this I don't want to call it a year zero, but if you want to call this a year one and a half of Phil Troutwine, I'm fine with that. So I, I do think they take the step forward and, and I really don't think they can afford not to take a big one. Yeah, I, I certainly agree on that latter point. I think, um, you know, whatever you want to call 2020, and I agree with you completely that it's kind of, um, you almost just don't count it because so many things went went wrong for Penn State from a timing perspective, from a COVID perspective, um, you know, the Journey Brown injury, all, all those things that we've rehashed a thousand times. Um, the thing I keep going back to is... One, I, I don't think if the offensive line struggles again, I think we're going to see a lot of what we've seen the last two years. I think there's just no way around it. I think um, for all the talk that I just had about, you know, the, the upgrade in talent at the off, at the running back position, um, all the experience you have coming back in Sean Clifford, the way he can he can help an offensive line out with with his ability to run the ball. I don't think if you have the same issues or the same types of issues you've seen the last two years um, without a Jahan Dotson, you all of a sudden lose, lose that playmaker, that go-to guy um, that you've kind of leaned on heavily last year. And if your offensive line is struggling, that those running backs aren't going to be able to get the ball. You're not going to have a quarterback that um, is going to stay upright long enough to be able to complete the pat, the ball to to any of his his targets downfield. But with that said, and I think we both kind of alluded to this, and we both kind of think this that they are going to take some sort of step forward. The thing I've I've found myself thinking during this summer. Um, and this is probably part of the the optimist in me is that they don't have to go from being terrible to great for Penn state to take a big step forward. Yeah. If they go to from terrible to okay, then I think Penn state can take a big step forward because of yeah. um, the, the, the talent at running back. Um, there's no Jahan Dodson, but there's Parker Washington. There's Keandre Lambert Smith. There's um, Mitchell Tins- Tinsley. Um, Malik Mega, Theo Johnson, Brenton Strain. Yeah, there, there's a lot of talent at the skill positions, mm-hmm. unproven, but I think we all agree that there's there's natural talent there um, that that's going to get an opportunity. And I think if they can just take that that one 
average size step, we'll call it, as opposed to that one giant step, then I think this can go from, you know, a, a seven and five team that we saw a year ago or seven and six with the bowl game to a nine or 10 win team, at least. Now, if they take a bigger step, then I don't think anything's off the table. I, I mentioned this to, to Bill and Nick when we kind of did our relaunch podcast um, a couple of weeks ago, that there is talented, at least as talented, if not more talented in every team on their schedule other than Ohio State. Um, yeah. And they get and them if they, home. if exactly. And, and if, if everything comes together, which there's a lot of things that need to come together, yeah. especially on the offensive line. But if they take that big step, then I don't think there's any reason to think that they can't take a big step in the number of wins and kind of get back to where Penn state was not that long ago. I, I found myself having to remind myself and remind friends and in, in conversation over the last few weeks, that this is a team that won 11 games in 2019 um, with all their warts with, you know, average quarterback play, but they had Jahan Dotson. They had KJ Hamler. Um, they had journey Brown. They had those, yep. those playmakers that they were able to rely on and they did enough Um and yeah, they, they were they were Jahan Dotson tripping over the ten yard line in Minneapolis, away from from winning eleven games in the regular season, and probably going back oh. to the Rose Bowl. Um, yeah, for, and, a, and a team that I think we all agree had some you know was you know kind of pieced together in a lot of ways. You know, there yeah. there were some big holes that they they were able to cover up. Um, I think the last two years have made it easy to forget that for obvious reasons. Um, but and it's a new cast of characters, both on the roster and the coaching staff. But it's. This one, it's August. It's easy to think of, think about. Oh, you know, if all these things happen, this all these great things are going to happen. But it wasn't that long ago that all those things did come together. Um, and so it, it's that's going to be kind of be the thing to watch, I think, going forward this year. Um, so with the offensive line, with all these things that we're we're getting excited about, and we we think there's some promise there. What's the one thing you're most excited about um, to watch with Phil Troutwine's group? Ooh. I'm excited to see Scruggs at center. If you go back to his commitment, and I remember writing his commitment post all the way back when in like 2017, 2018. And back, back I think when we wrote things back when we wrote <laughs> back when we were a written media. Um, I remember it, it was, I, I put that he was Penn state center of the future. And I feel really bad that it took this long for them to finally have the guys around him and, and for him to get healthy. Of course he had that, horrific accident, you know, pretty early on in his career and just, you know, major hat off to him for working his way back. That's just a guy you want to root for, but I'm excited to see Scruggs at center. I think that's his natural position. I'm also excited to see him play next to somebody who this might be mean, who is not Mike Miranda. I think that's going to help a lot. I think the fact that he can play next to a dude like Landon Tangwall, who we all think, you know, has, first or second day potential in the NFL draft, Matt, is that, is that jumping the gun there oh, a little sure. bit? But Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's fair. And then a guy like Sal warmly, who was on pace to start, I think as a redshirt freshman. And then as a guy in Hunter Norzad, maybe, you know, still in that battle, uh, a guy who's been productive at the division one level. I mean, sure it's FCS, but still division one football is that's still big time ball. Like he knows how to hold his own. So I'm really excited to watch Scruggs. I mean, from from left to right, my starting gr- group right now is probably Fashanu, Tengwall, Scruggs, Warmly, Wallace. And I think Scruggs can be a great anchor for that group. I think having the fifth-year guy in the middle as the leader is just going to be huge for that group's confidence. So I, I'm just really rooting hard for Juice Scruggs, man. I hope he gets everything he deserves and, and puts himself on the NFL radar. I, I think um... – that kind of plays nicely into to, I don't know if excitement's the right word, but I'm I'm 
most interested in seeing um, is that depth that we've talked about is you've got, you just mentioned the six guys that I think we'll see a lot of. And I think in past years, whether it be due to injury or coaching philosophy or talent, they've kind of had their five guys and that's it. You know, last year, you know, they were rotating Wiggins and Wilson to some degree. um, But they by and large stuck with their five guys um, barring injuries. And I think there's going to be injuries. That's just the nature of football and and the offensive line, um, especially. But I think you just mentioned six guys, um, four of whom can play, probably play any position in a pinch in the interior um, to, to varying degrees. You mentioned that Norzad had taken some, apparently taken some reps at center based on one of the social media posts that the team put out over the weekend. Um, but then you've got a guy like, um, like Bryce Efner that has been around the program a long time that I think the, the inclination or the, the, the feeling I get from the way the coaches talk about him is he's, he's a guy they can feel they can kind of plug in wherever. I'm not sure he's a guy that becomes a rotational piece. But he's a guy that when one of those inevitable injuries, whether it's for a series or a game strikes, they're not totally panicked having to plug in there um, at a given spot and, and like feeling like they're going to lose a lot. You know, he's a guy that's been around the program a long time. Um, fifth year player played, I think, every position just about other than maybe center. Yeah. Um, and then then you have a guy like um, you mentioned, J.B. Nelson, the, the Juco transfer from Lackawanna. Um, Drew Shelton is a guy that I'm not sure any of us thought might wait play. And that's still probably in, in doubt, but with the four games and, and some of the early, um, non-conference games, is there an opportunity for him to kind of play his way in? Um, yeah. so it's Jimmy Christ is a guy that's been around the program. This is a third year now. Um, where does he factor? And he's a true tackle. Um, but is he going to, um, you know, be able to not necessarily push for time, but if, if, if we'll just say, uh, Fashanu needs a, needs a blow at left tackle. Does he step in there? You know, how, how do they move this around? I think there's some some interesting chess pieces on the board that they haven't had for a couple of years here that give them the ability to play through injuries probably more productively than they've been able to for a couple of years. Um, but also if someone's struggling, um, not feel like there's a huge, you know, they're putting someone in a, in a, a, a position where they're not going to succeed by having to pull someone and put someone else in, in that spot and maybe shuffle, th- shuffle things around. I think there's enough diversity of of skill on the group and enough depth of talent that um there's a little bit of opportunity there to to play with things um depending on how how things progress especially over the first part of the season um any final thoughts from you matt on the offensive line and um penn state's achilles heel of the last couple seasons one last point that i I just want to make sure i I touch on because i thought about this a lot throughout the entire franklin era They've always played dudes where they were needed, not where they were at their best. Like if you think back to Ryan Bates as a tackle when he was clearly a guard, you know, you think back to Brendan Mann going that far back who played tackle when he was probably a guard. Uh, Scruggs was a guard when he was probably a center. Like there's so many examples of this unit just because they were just decimated by the sanctions. And, and even, you know, once they recovered from that, they still redshirted dudes and they were still getting young guys in and now I think we're probably about three or four years out of that group being fully recovered and and they've still never taken that step because for whatever reason they still haven't been able to find that perfect match where everybody got to play where they were at their best and I think we have that this year so 
really excited to see that. I'm really curious to see what that looks like. And, and like you said, Matt, the depth is outstanding. You know, Bryce Effner, Jimmy Christ, um, maybe JB Nelson, Nick Dawkins. Those are all Hunter Norzad, warmly, whoever wins that contest, all dudes who are going to see the field. And, and, and that's really exciting. So I just, uh, I, they need to open up a little bit of space. And I think Singleton and Allen can, can take them a mile. Well, that is a perfect spot to leave it off. Um, thank you for listening. Um, thank you to our, our friends at Homefield. Again, Roar Lions Roar at checkout for 15% off your first purchase. Um, for Matt Filipovic, that's two out of three on this one. I'm Matt DeBear. Thanks for joining us on Roar Lions Roar.